0: It's incredibly common for early stage startups to fail because their innovation stalls out even when they're well-capitalized, have great talent and have great product market fit. In fact, CB Insights states that about 50% of all early stage startup failures are either directly or indirectly tied back to the ability to innovate or scale their business. If you are a non-technical founder or executive of a tech company, this video will provide you with valuable tips to ensure that you have the right mix of feature development and architectural investments that'll maximize innovation and product value flow. For this deep dive, let's assume a non-technical founder or executive has invested fully in making pragmatically smart decisions about achieving the right balance that I discussed in the Leverage Loop article, Features Versus Re-Architecture, Do You Have the Right Balance? I'll post a link in the comment section below if you haven't yet had a chance to read the article. How should that leader audit and assist their teams to know if the investments they're making on each side are truly moving the needle as expected and aren't leading to preventable, wasted at-bats? Here are my three tips for ensuring your teams are getting the maximum return on their feature and architectural investments. Tip number one, define success and failure up front. Understand what success looks like, how you will measure it, and also what outright failure looks like and how you'll measure that as well. Why both? Well, it may be obvious that you needed to have a mechanism to measure success. I've seen far too many leaders struggle to know if, even though they weren't successful up front, were they close to success and just needed to continue to iterate to find and achieve success? Or were they so far off the path that they were chasing and throwing good money after bad Part of defining failure up front means defining how much time and how much effort are you going to put in to to this initiative before you finally hit your measured success or not. And also, at what point or what signs are you going to look for that tells you you're not even on the right track or even close and you're going to bail out. Here's an example from a few years ago of my career. I was working at a company that was trying to build a new product that was only tangentially related to the product they were working on. They had outsourced the development to a third party uh, and got it built in about six months time for over uh, over a seven digit price tag. When it was ready to launch, they knew how to define success in terms of product market fit and new customer acquisition, uh, as well as engagement from the users. But what they didn't have to find is when they would actually pull the plug on a failure, how they define a failure. What we wound up seeing is probably a few months in, it was clear to to a majority of the executive leadership team that the the project was most likely a failure. Yet the team that was leading it kept arguing and successfully getting more money for either or marketing expense and for uh, uh, awareness campaigns to try to drive new user adoption we found is that six month mark, the product never actually got product market fit and they wound up killing the project, spending well over seven digits, um, both in the development cost and the marketing cost, when we could have killed that investment much sooner and, you know, learned from it, and potentially pivoted or realized it wasn't the right fit. Those are the type of, of, of failures that as an early stage startup that only has a limited amount at bats can really lead to some painful decisions and sometimes can lead to outright failure that you can avoid as a startup leader. Tip number two, avoid surprise Russian nesting doll solutions. Have you ever experienced a situation, regardless if it's uh, making an architectural investment or delivering a new feature where the goal up front before the work began was to achieve X, X could be Uh, reducing the amount of time an an engineering team has to spend on delivering new features by some percentage. Or it could be increasing conversion or new customer signups by some percentage. We'll call either example X for this this example. And the team all agrees that benefits are worthwhile and worth the cost of doing the work. The team then proceeds to do the work and then at the end, somebody asks the question, so did we achieve X? And the response from the team winds up being, well, no, this deliverable simply unlocks the next thing, you know, our deliverable number two. And when we deliver deliverable number two, then we'll, we'll achieve X result. Fast forward in time, next investment's made. The team asks at the end when it delivers and launches, so did we achieve outcome X? And the answer then becomes, well, we achieved part of outcome X, but this only really sets us up to do the next deliverable. And when we do the next deliverable, we'll now achieve the outcome we, we, we said we would, and so on and so forth. This is the Russian nesting doll, where there's a series of prerequisites because the full cost isn't appreciated up front. And the value that, that the investments being made and are being re- greenlit to make in the first place is never then realized. So one of the things you can do as a leader to smoke this out and to help your teams is to ask the question upfront when this deliverable is done at roughly whatever time is being projected to be done, will we achieve this measurement X and will we know we've achieved it and will I be able to see that? That'll a lot of times help smoke out whether that deliverable truly delivers that value. Or if the team is pulling themselves into a series of prerequisite investments that ultimately never delivers the value. It also will help you as a leader ask, be able to help the team ask the question, is there a way to flip the problem on its head and to deliver that value sooner and then build out the prerequisites to flesh out the solution in the long term? Tip number three, don't conflate experimentation failure with execution failure. Whether it's new feature development and you're doing a painted door test or a MVP or you know, which is minimally viable product or a minimally lovable product or a minimally marketable product, whatever term you want to use. A lot of times those are launched as experiments to measure engagement to measure uh, product market fit or even just to measure gauge customer interest. Uh, the same thing holds true with engineering investments in, in experiments. Sometimes those will be done through proof of concepts or what we call spikes. To measure, is it worth making a full blown investment? Is it going to work the way we thought it was going to work? In either scenario, you expect there to be a large amount of failure. With that failure, you quickly learn and then you iterate. That's different than execution failures, where execution failures you're not really experimenting. You're doing things that you should know how to do, and you should be able to deliver them in a reasonable amount with a reasonable amount of certainty. When that when there's a failure in an execution uh, situation. Those failures need to be viewed as failures that need to be root-caused, understood why they happened, and then preventing them from happening again. An experiment failure, there's no root cause of why the experiment failed. The failure itself is the learning point that you take away and you pivot and learn from. Sometimes teams get these two things conflated. Either a team will view execution failure as simply learning and growing and figuring out. The act of learning and growing actually comes from the, the root cause analysis and the lessons learned, not the, the act of execution failure itself. The experimentation failure, however, I've seen teams get, get so uh, so tied up on worrying about failing on an experiment that they don't experiment enough. And you don't want to conflate those two because ultimately you want to fail and you want to fail a lot on experiments to be able to learn. Execution, you want to ask yourself up front. How do I prevent failure in the first place? And when it happens. How do I prevent it from happening again? I hope these three tips will help you as a non-technical founder or leader, help support your product and engineering teams, and also know when they haven't found that right balance. I hope you found these three tips helpful. If you did, we have other content available free of charge on the Leverage Loop company page on LinkedIn. Again, you can find that link in the comment section below. Also, please share this content with any other business leaders that you think would find this content helpful. Here at LeverageLoop, we're passionate about helping small business owners and early stage startups grow intelligently and sustainably to find long-term success. Thanks very much.